So the human body looked at from one side is a marvelous instrument. We all know about it. And uh, even a small little cell of the body is like a miniature city and well-ordered city with lot of traffic going on here and there. Of course, lot of trafficking also. Things we don't want enters into it, etc. But still, it's a marvelous thing, you know, and what a complex organization which has developed over, uh, over uh, billions of years, at least millions of years, the human body. Several experiments, several... Um, degrees, layers, levels of experience, many, many artisans' hands have gone into perfecting it. Small little, if we have a cut, immediately the whole body rushes there to defend us. Uh, we have number of alerting mechanisms. Pain is one of them. The heart, sometimes I just wonder, it sets off ticking in the womb. And, uh, you know, it carries on, carries on till old age. <laughs> Most of us, regardless of you know many things, we abuse the body in many ways. Simple things like sleep rhythms, etc., food we eat. And yet it continues, continues, continues automatically till 90 years, 95, 100 years. It's amazing how it just goes on. Uh, breathing on which we live, it's just given to us. If ever we observe our sleeps or somebody's sleep, it can be really frightening. All body systems are going haywire because the whole overhauling going on. And yet our breath, despite going through all the phases, we continue to breathe. It's something amazing when we look at the human body. And yet there are issues and problems with it. The reason is that this human body is evolved under the stress of certain forces and with a certain purpose. It's meant to serve that purpose. Originally, any matter, any form is meant to embody the formless. This is the whole purpose of creation of form, if you really go back to the origin. But none of the forms up till now can really express that formless beauty, light, truth perfectly. So step by step it is evolving. And the human body as of now is still largely meant for much of it, bulk of it. The way an animal body is designed and for certain forces, certain energies which animals are prone to. I mean it's necessary for their life. And then when we look at it from the other angle, as I said, from one angle it's marvelous, but from another angle when we look at it, we see the encumbrance, a simple encumbrance, for example, that we have to eat. I find it really so silly that we have to eat. It's, it's, uh, most of the children nowadays, you know, they don't like to eat. Of course, then this is, of course, the other side. But you have to eat and then, you know, you have so many waste which are produced. It should not be. It should be a, a no-waste creation where there is no waste. Everything is utilized and rightly put into use. Then there are errors which keep on coming. Even an alerting mechanism like pain comes much later. At, at the same time, in some issues, it doesn't come. So that's why we have a term like painless killers. There is no indication. 
and the reason is very simple because uh, nature doesn't want this body to continue indefinitely it is one of the experiments of nature and uh, it will serve its purpose when the purpose is uh, served it has to be individually cast aside but collectively as we read yesterday men die so that man may live and god be born so when its purpose is over it has that the soul has experienced whatever it could through the limits of this body it has to either evolve or as a species we vanish because as we grow we need a better and better instrument it's very simple i mean it's true that a good musician can take music out of stones but how much better music if you have many stringed instrument or imagine a concert music is inside but you cannot really put it out you know just now shruti was speaking about memory this is another thing which fascinates me fascinates me in the sense that look you know we read everything it goes somewhere inside the imprints are there one wishes that you know one remembers everything that what has read of mother and she of bindu or you know beautiful things but it doesn't happen like that though the essence remains but much of it goes into a subconscious store so while it is very well designed at one point of view it's far from perfection so extremely imperfect uh, uh, you know uh, body and as long as this body is still subject to all the forces of low creation animal nature and other things is still as a lot of matter in it we depend on matter whichever way you look at it whether we eat meat or vegetables it draws itself from the earth and soil so there is substantial amount of matter in it which pulls its energies from the inconscient that's why we have a need to go into sleep we get tired exhausted fatigued and well it's natural but at the same time one wishes and hopes that there could be a body which could run endlessly which could give an amount of output that we need to and when we look at mother and shobindo how they experimented upon it they could cut down food sleep to what an extent shobindo could almost almost go without sleeping same with mother even in sleep she was conscious without food 42 days shobindo 40 days he went without food and water just as an experiment on the body then he started he broke the fast and started everything normally and then he says that this problem is almost solved but there is one difficulty and the difficulty is that you cannot replace flesh because you know uh, it it begins to disintegrate so if one can live without food it would be wonderful i mean of course i know food industry won't like it and also the medicine industry because they are very well interconnected they are in close collusion with each other the food industry and the medical industry drug industry so you have met, you have good food in all these hotels they should give instead of you know earlier they used to give pan pan is a digestant it's an indian version of uh, digene so they have not yet they don't give pan nowadays they should give at least digene tablets or some such tablets you know while going you take it you may need it when you go back so but imagine now bodies have got used to it it's not a very good predicament not something very healthy it happens so over a period of time this body is subject to disintegration and nature has created it like this otherwise there'll be an imbalance there'll be a um, uh, imbalance in the 
larger scale of things where imagine a body continues to live and live and live um, 200 300 years with the same consciousness of a half animal or 90% animal and 10% humanity and leave aside divinity which is very far so as long as the body remains what it is we cannot solve the problem of pain the problem of disintegration the problem of disease with finality so this is what i was saying that when you know uh, we spoke about the problem and the solution there are no simple permanent solutions there are temporary solutions which range from aspirin to whatever else so they are all temporary we must understand the temporary nature of these solutions the radical solution is only ultimately an evolution of the body to the next level it must become a better and better instrument and and i am so uh, it it had, it was like an eye opener to me when i read shirvindo and i saw oh someone has seen it like this because as a doctor this used to be i used to wonder that you know why it's prone to all these decades should not happen yet it is we may use whatever term genetics uh, contagion from outside let's say bacteria virus why shouldn't the body be strong enough to completely either repel the attack or integrate it transmute it whatever there are any amount of possibilities so what shirvindo brings us is a radical solution not a temporary solution which means that we have to separate these two kinds of solutions there are people who take to shirvindo's yoga and you know or they are fascinated and yet uh, ultimately we fall back upon some small measure like okay with this healing i can get cured with that healing i can get cured we should know that's not really cure that's not the uh, that's a temporary containment and which is fine it's necessary i use paracetamol uh, on my patients when they have fever i may not use it on myself i like to resist it but i can't tell my patient that please try a, you know method like that so there is there are limits and these limits must be exceeded and already we see that nature is moving us in that direction and one example i gave the very fact of transculturation the travels through time zones uh, maybe bombardment from ultraviolet lights all this is needing matter it's uh, matter has become like a dao and it's pushing it bringing out all possibilities all possibilities and i'm sure it will eventually help in the evolutionary process though it's not an excuse for the radiation <laughs> overload on the system we can't look at it like that and say okay we are fine with it but all this what we call presently as good and what we call presently as evil is challenging the body to its utmost limits and this this bound to happen and uh, even mutations which people are observing so the ultimate solution is that that this body instead of being driven by ignorant unconscious mechanisms should be driven by conscious forces beings energies of a higher order now it cannot that's one of the challenges which very often we face um, you know let's say when we talk about spiritual healing so it's um, very nice that yes you can imagine and with imagery the higher consciousness can work in you and it has worked in many i am i had countless examples in my own life i am sure everybody has but it doesn't stay and not always and sometimes it does take a long time so why does it happen because the body is not built by its very nature it's not built to receive it's it doesn't even recognize a spiritual force or a spiritual consciousness 
it recognizes vital forces. So to an extent we can do pranic healing again temporarily it helps but higher forces still higher it doesn't recognize. Otherwise we could just give a suggestion and be cured. Technically yes but it doesn't work out. It's not receptive. It's not open. doesn't recognize because matter till now has experienced mainly the forces of an animal and less than animal order. It has not experienced forces of a higher order. It doesn't know grace for example. Mother says that when she started working on the cells of the body. She says the big difficulty in matter is that it has been, it has evolved under the stress of suffering and pain. There is in us if we look deep inside even a perverse attraction for suffering. It's not healthy at all. You know, it expresses itself in many ways. Oh, I am a martyr. If you are a martyr, you are responsible for it. Nobody else is responsible for it. Don't be a martyr. Nobody expects you to be a martyr. It's not being egoless and impersonal. For God's sake, it's not, not a healthy attitude at all. To take suffering, oh, I am suffering, and then to make a whole story out of life of one's own suffering. It's something perverse. Why should we? It's much better to be strong and take the challenge than become a martyr. But you know, there is in us a perverse attraction towards suffering and emotionally we understand very well and physically also. Let me give two examples. Emotionally when people are in pain, strangely at least uh, you know, I'm sure this is almost a universal thing but in India we had a whole set of sad songs in the 60s and when people are depressed they tune into that. Now you know this is a paradigm. For God's sake, it will make things worse. But they tune into that. And they hold on to that. It's almost like it has become a way of life. People hold on to their guilt. Feel it's something very good. Uh, mother speaks of a person who um, stayed in a little shell of guilt. And it created a personal hell with his imagination. And said, I must suffer because I have done sins. And it took a long time to convince him. One year. That there is nothing like that. Please come out of this state. He was so convinced that I must uh, suffer because I have done a sin. You know karma theory. <laughs> the way it's put. And she had to convince him nothing like that. Come out. It's a constant journey flowing toward the divine. One error leading to a better, better, better. It, there is a constant progression. So it's an ignorant idea in which we live. And all these things create in us. Physically also we see an attraction towards, uh, you know, perverse attraction towards... Um, towards illness etc um, and I can take my own example blood sugar my blood sugar goes high and if somebody tells me don't eat sweets I'll say yes but when a sweet is in front of me I don't know what to do <laughs> it's a lure I know pleasure is not a good thing for other pleasures it's easy but my weakness is sweets I'm not suggesting to gift any and you know, but I am just saying that there is in us something perverse which is drawn towards the very thing which will harm us. Sri Ramakrishna Paramans would give this example that you know, camel which uh, eats um, those thorny bushes, it likes to eat those thorny bushes which you find in the desert area. And it is, its mouth bleeds, but still it will be attracted to eat it. Now this is uh, not a simple problem. You know, all doctors will advise, don't do this, don't do that. Like psychologists will advise, you should think positively, don't think negatively. Anyone who has tried it knows it's not as simple as reading from a book. 
there is something in us which automatically tunes in to all when we are in a certain state we draw vibrations of that state the trick as the mother puts it to shift the needle of consciousness if the ground is the same the experiences will be the same this again we can look at karma theory from this angle if we stand on a certain ground where there is storms and turbulence is going on we cannot expect that our house will not shake it's bound to shake so we may blame it on karma we may blame it on x y z but we have to shift the ground when we shift the ground things change mother would give such a beautiful simple example she says if you are outside and a storm is raging so what do you do you would want to rush back to a safe place let's say you have your house and you will rush back to the house now imagine you have locked it and you are not able to find the key it's a you know terrible predicament you are searching for the key in your pocket you have bunch you don't know which one to apply and so you are caught in the storm it's as simple as that so she says you must make sure you have the key you must apply it every day you must know how to apply it so that if you are caught you know how to get inside the door bolt it and you are safe now well, it's one of the dream experiences which i'm sure quite some i'm i mean probably many may have had that ever dreamt of uh, huge waves of water coming and gashing against a house where you are inside and but the house is safe it doesn't touch you very interesting experience sanadi speaks about it to uh, mother in shivinda and these water waves are world forces they hit but something keeps your house safe yeah you're inside so they'll come they will touch you and pass away shubhendra gives that in uh, these magical lines of savitri oh king the events that meet thee on the road though they touch thy soul with grief and joy are not thy fate they touch thee a while and pass the road the goal thou choosest are thy fate so this of course uh, is is a central point which helps us to navigate through life and that central point is what really am i seeking am i seeking just to be free temporarily of an illness of a problem of an issue then we come back again and we come back again one of the frightening things that i have in mind do i had a excellent schooling very happy schooling and i am sure most people have is to be born again with a bag on my shoulders and go back to the school and study there it's frightening everything is gone and you have to start from scratch it's not a happy thing to happen it should change it should be something conscious come and from moment one you are conscious everything is there inside you are conscious you are conscious of the divine you are conscious it should happen like that and it's not a fantasy if the divine presence is there it should be possible but the body doesn't allow us it's closed from every side it ties us ties the consciousness tightly the screws are fixed 101 uh, strings as the upanishad puts it 101 strings through which the being is tied to the body tightly and the upanishad says that is the pain one experiences when one separates at death so mother was asked that you know is this pain you know we are talking about pain is this pain everyone experiences mother says no 
If you have practiced detachment in your life, you will not experience this pain. Because then the threads are very loose. You will need some contact with the world. There will be something which may look like a semblance of attachment. You must know the difference between love and attachment. But it's not really attachment. There is nothing which you seek personally from any relationship, whether it be with the world, with the body or anything. And yet you are in the world. It's a simple practice. Very often people think of detachment means I have to cut off outwardly from people. We don't have to cut off from anyone and everything. You have to just shift the needle from the ego self to the true self. That's all that is required. And then we play with the world as the divine plays with the world. He is in the world but not of the world. And he can become the whole world without being attached to it. And that's one simple practice. And it works even for physical pain. It's amazing. One of the uh, most um, enriching experiences for me personally has been to see many of our patients in the ashram setup, both nursing home and desire home where uh, I spend a lot of time now. Uh, the so the I mean, it's not really an old age home, but elderly inmates are there. Many of them having some problem or the other. But I, I have seen that many of them, not all of them certainly, but many of them, they over years learned how to detach themselves. People with cancers, people with this problem, that problem, yet they have a smiling continence. When they see you, they smile and even when the breath is faint, you go near them and you know they are half comatose and you tell them, call their names, Didi, and there will be a faint smile. And it's so enriching. It's like somebody is giving a gift to earth even on the deathbed. That's de that should be death. No pain. It's just a withdrawal. Such, you know, Amrita, famous story. Uh, so many stories. You know, he had a heart attack and when someone asked him, Amrit, what has happened to you now? Heart attack, you know? Oh, I don't know. Heart attack has happened. I am just 69. God knows, you know, why this malady has fallen on me. Uh, you know what he says? He says, nothing. My sweetheart is giving me some trouble. <laughs> Sense of humor. Talking of karma, Nalida, lying in Ashram nursing home with uh, heart issues and the doctor sitting there is thinking, why should someone like him have a heart problem? You know, there's such passages in Savitri that, you know, even those who have risen to a great inner height, they too go through suffering and pain. So, he's, the doctor was thinking about it and then he slept off. Then as he opened his eyes, he saw suddenly Nalida is staring at him. Nalida tells him, you know, sometimes one has to take global karma upon oneself. He had understood the question when the doctor was asleep. Sometimes one has to take the global karmas upon oneself. What is this karma and global karma? All the energies that have been unleashed into creation. They have to be taken upon oneself. There have to be beings. These are the avatars. They take all these energies, call it into back into themselves and annihilate it with the action of grace. This is the work of the avatar. And that's what we read in, um, in, in Savitri. And unless that happens, there can be no permanent solution to pain. Because all the time we are like generators and transmitters and receivers of this 
these forces which are circulating in this world someone has to come to mop them absorb them like shiva drinking poison and then only the nectar of immortality can be released so i'll just read some of these lines because as i said unless that happens we cannot have a permanent solution this is on page 445 he who would save the race must share its pain so there are two kinds of approaches one is i must be free from pain i personally feel it's a pretty selfish approach and it's like then we go into nirvana and that route that's one route way pathway to nirvana the other is i am ready to share the cosmic load but the law of pain the law of suffering must change upon earth which is a different thing altogether we want the law to change here and not some vip to help things out for us that okay i have black money make it white in some way no the very law must change and that's a very different thing altogether so this is the problem this he shall know who obeys that grandiose urge the great who came to save this suffering world and rescue out of times shadow and the law must pass beneath the yoke of grief and pain it's the law of earth nature if we take on a mortal body we take all the issues connected with it good karma or bad karma we just take it the body is prone to decay the body body is prone to disease the body is prone to suffering and it will reconcile the scientific and the spiritual approach see sometime back 100 years back if somebody had cataract and went blind was it 100 years we didn't know the cataract surgery i don't know when it was invented or discovered but you know what was commonly told bad karma you have gone blind now the doctor say doesn't matter about your karma i'll fix it there is a solution for it so what happened to all those bad karmas which gave rise to blindness well some people felt that well karma or no karma there the problem is in the body let's try to find a way to fix it so shobindo reconciles these two approaches yes there is a problem with the body let's fix it but fix it spiritually and from a higher point of view to know how the very thing has happened you have to go back to the roots of creation it's inevitable if we take on a human body we cannot but be prone to certain forces which have you know driven this body they are caught by the wheel they had hope to break on their shoulders they must bear man's load of fate and then there are of course marvelous line which give examples of socrates of christ and many others who have come shiva who have you know who have wanted to save the world but there has to be response in the human being we instead of rushing towards 101 ways to escape from the predicament of pain let's touch the root the root is ignorance at every level and there is a grace which is here to take away that ignorance but something is needed from our side and that is to open 
But when God's messenger comes to help the world and lead the soul of earth to higher things, he too must carry the yoke he came to unloose. He too must bear the pang that he would heal. Exempt and unafflicted by earth's fate, how shall he cure the ills he never felt? At one point when the mother came, this is somewhere in 1922-23, she suffered from practically every illness that one can imagine. And at one point it was literally on the deathbed. Then she could say, yes, there is a way. But what is needed from our side is to open. And the more we open, the more we will find the real remedy. Now some people are scared of this. They say, okay, fine, but you know, uh, maybe if I die in the process, uh, after a while they hesitate and say, maybe, you know, uh, people who told me to go to a doctor is better. Uh, who knows, I am doing a wrong thing. These doubts come. So there is a fight at two levels. Always. In any battle, there is a fight at two levels, you know. There was this lovely movie, Dangal. Nobody may have seen it, it just released. So there is a very nice clip in that movie. This girl has to fight some boys. So she is told pick and choose one of the boys. So there are four boys. And everybody is telling her that, you know, she will choose the uh, weakest one because anyway she is going to lose. So she looks at three who are relatively weaker and chooses the strongest one. So one of the person who is full of the traditional idea tells her father, surely she is going to lose and lose badly. She will be smashed. So the father says, played by Amir Khan, he says, you know what, battle is fought at two levels. First, she must conquer her fear, which she has done. Because she has gone and chosen the most powerful adversary. So she has already conquered her fear. So now she is close to the victory. So this is the approach we have to take. But though to the outward eye no sign appears and peace is given to our own human hearts, the struggle is there and paid the unseen price. Now what happens basically in this approach, as I said, there is, uh, there will be, before we arrive at a final victory, I am touching upon the final remedy, there are a lot of temporary things we can do, I am sure people will talk about it, for example, detachment, stepping back, stepping inside, detachment, keeping the mind away from an illness is itself a big remedy. Mind is really an amplifier. It adds to the agony and the misery that we experience and it's an experience worth having uh, if ever, God forbid, you have a problem, let's say an injury. I've done it, so I've seen it. Uh, huge block of uh, wheel, a, a huge wheel fell on my leg and uh, at that point of time, I can't even lift it, it's, it's very heavy. So I started observing my leg, that how it is swelling up, how it is paining. Then I realized that the leg is paining, but there is something in you which can completely separate itself. It's given to all of us. So whenever we experience such a thing, we, can, we should just learn to dissociate. And it's, it's a practice. When there is fever, when there is a lot of you know, things we'll have, and we'll see that at both levels the fight takes place. Thoughts invade us, impulses invade us, Ever seen what kind of thoughts come in viral fever? 
Some people are tormented. Is it uh, dengue? Straight away. Chikungunya. Sometimes they come and ask me, am I suffering from dengue? So I have to tell them, can you think something still worse? <laughs> I mean, straight away, one day fever, am I having dengue? It could be just an ordinary fever. Similarly, any lump or anything, am I having cancer? I get this way. These come, they are suggestions thrown. We don't realize it. We just take it as uh, something happening in the mind. We accept those suggestions. But we can refuse those suggestions. And this is our job. To refuse what we have to refuse, the power to say no. At another point in Savitri, Shobindo says, O king, thy fate is a transaction done at each moment between thy nature and thy soul. Man can accept or refuse his fate. Even though the unseen maintains the decree, maybe you refuse and still the same fate comes to you. He writes thy refusal in thy credit page. For doom is not a close, a mystic deed, mystic seal. It is a passage. So when we understand it, then all our efforts, inner efforts, may not always bear success. There will be approximations and I believe evolution will take place like that. There will be some mad people who will say, let's try another way. And possibly it won't work out and people will say, here was a mad fellow, epitaph written on the grave. Here lived a madman who believed that spiritual force and grace can cure. This is his fate. But they will pave the way for the future. Because they have tried to put matter in touch with certain forces which normally it is not. And a time would come when through this process matter will respond, it will become more and more sensitive. Already these things are happening and maybe 100 years, 200 years, 300 years, we don't know. Evolution is like that. When we look at the leap which took place, you know, when uh, this um, wonderful fish, I just like it, you know, I'm sure all of us, dolphin. I've always felt that dolphins are alternate cha evolutionary channel which nature has kept open. That where human beings to destroy themselves through a nuclear holocaust or whatever, uh, we don't have to slide back uh, much. Dolphins are very close to human beings and they can just start evolving along those lines. And it's good that they don't speak words so chances of fight is much less. They, they have sounds so through that they communicate. So, you know, it's uh, evolution to dolphin took place through number of stages. And all the intermediary species were wiped off. So it's quite possible that there would be many intermediary species in the process of evolution from man to the next level where we'll have half-hearted efforts, approximations, failed attempts but attempts nevertheless until we hit at the true remedy and matter is very very receptive and sensitive to the higher force and the higher consciousness. That is the ultimate solution. You have a pain, you offer it and it's gone. Not only the pain, pain is just a uh, alerting sign. But the illness is gone and such discoveries are coming up. I was amazed to see that they have studied that how uh, light can cleanse water and uh, how light can actually ultimately have an effect on smoothening the flow 
of blood through the blood vessels. I won't be surprised if in maybe years to come we have simply that we have a you know a whole lot of blockage of uh, uh, coronaries and just sit uh, in the sun or have some kind of a mechanism to tap in that light and in some way to just let it go deep inside and cleanse the vessels. Right now it doesn't because everything is obscure, it doesn't respond. It is responding only to aspirin and paracetamol because it doesn't know anything else. It doesn't know that, you know, just like in olden time people believed that only if you go to temple God will hear you. Not realizing that temple is so noisy, full of sas bahuka jagda and all that, that God is must be getting bored and possibly may have even run away from these temples, most of them. No sensible divine being will like to sit with all those ghanta and uh, homam and all this noise, blaring music and VIPs coming. Which sensible divine being will like all this? They would, they would have run away. It's a very sad story. So, but we believe that unless we go there and do it, God cannot hear us. But Upanishads broke a new path. They said, no, the Supreme is inside you. You can discover him inside. The temple is here. So it's quite possible that today our faith is in the gods called aspirin and disprin and whatever. And so these, these are the gods through which, uh, you know, these forces are pouring upon us. But tomorrow these gods may just go away. We can directly contact and we should do it. Why not? By whatever means, by faith, by uh, guided imagery, by simply calling peace, by whatever mechanism, even if we are taking a medication, we should put our trust in the grace and we should try invoking something of the higher consciousness into our system. But there is a but and it is this that if we have not practiced it, when we are in a state of health, then it doesn't work like a switch. Unless we are in a state of art, I have seen that also. Somebody who has not tried it but suddenly in a state of great distress invokes the higher consciousness and it comes and intervenes. So we should call for this intervention. It's not either or that I'll either take medicine or do this. When someone asked mother, mother what should I do? Should I take medicines or rely on thy grace? Mother says do both. Take the medicine and rely on the grace. What a simple practical way. The medicine is for the immediate temporary effect. There is no fight. It becomes a medium for the grace to act. But at the same time rely on the grace. Not on the medicine, the doctor etc. Call for the grace. But matter, it doesn't trust readily. Of course we are a very, as I say, converted audience and primed audience. <laughs> but talk about it. In a typical medical setting, ah, yes, yes, yes. Oh, doctor ka apna twist hai. Doctors themselves have become like priests who will not allow you to go near the deity. He'll stand in front of you with his pot belly and the dan patra. So doctors stand like that on the doorway. How dare you call grace? I am the grace. And here is my dan patra. Put an offering of 500 without receipt, all black, no checks. Doctors, you know, they should start catching all professionals outside. Then don't file income tax. And then in return, I am the one who will dispense bits of grace to you. 
so we should we should prime this body prime our mind prime our heart prime our emotions to the touch of grace from above and for that we should do it every day methodically at the same time we should build receptivity in this receptacle it is turned upside down all the time it is drawing in forces of inconscient darkness feeds on them it loves it if people don't quarrel for 10 days 10 days probably is a big na big number of days maybe 2 days <laughs> there is something is amiss why everything is so quiet and peaceful we are used to you know mother has said so beautifully at one place she says it is strange why people quarrel one can live without quarreling quarrel is nothing but the lower vital energies entering into our system disrupting the communication channels so that the other person doesn't understand or doesn't hear what you are saying and this person doesn't hear or understand what the other person is saying it's it's a disruption because of the lower vital storm noises in the head and so we have to practice quietude otherwise the grace cannot act if you are restless oh when will i get cured i have fever i have prayed but today my fever has gone from 102 to 103 is it really working if a doctor says don't worry five days it takes we trust but if divine grace says well it will take some time i'll cure you we cannot trust doctor will tell you it's dengue don't worry it takes five seven days oh okay fine but if divine says it takes some time please understand body is built of many things there is nothing like an impossible miracle the process through which it has to work please be patient that's why peace patience these are wonderful qualities to inculcate because they help the soil we heard about plowing the soil the soil should not be plowed by pain it should be prepared by peace love harmony every day we should set apart a time 15 20 minutes tds three times a day we should take a generous dose of peace harmony light calling it from above tds with or without food doesn't matter and of course we can take it with food food is for spiritual things words which are beautiful and luminous so we should take it tds with food read some beautiful words then sit quietly and call for peace grace light just just doing it mechanically it begins to act after a while it tends to come very simply into the system what do we do rest of the day very simple call the grace make the mind as quiet as possible countless opportunities in the day we are going to get for disturbing us they'll come from all directions and that's when we have to practice quietude and peace if we are restless and agitated it's very difficult for the higher consciousness to act it's like telling a mechanic to repair the engine while it is running make it quiet and the more radical the problem the more quietude is required so quietude helps in getting rid of not only pain but removes deeper issues peace mother speaks of catch hold of a deep peace within you and push it into the cells similarly there are lot of such uh, emotions which 
we have simply inherited from the animal rage, fear, which are like toxic to the body. Peace can wash them off. It's a cleanser. Every day should clean the stables. Whole day it is generating. Till the body undergoes a change, we have to do this exercise. After it is changed, we don't need any exercise. But right now we need to do it because it draws automatically in sleep, in various states, all these kind of forces back into our system. Until that changes, there, until it changes, there is no radical remedy. But there is something we can do every day to keep the machine overhauled. So this is a very simple practice. But the radical remedy and what should we do till then? Let's read that and then have some questions. <coughs> so when the law of pain will change, Shubhindra speaks of the supramental world and its descent. On borders of the meeting of all worlds, there on the verge of nature's summit steps, the secret law of each thing is fulfilled. All contraries heal their long dissidence. There meet and clasp the eternal opposites. All these contradictions within us are healed. Their pain becomes a violent, fiery joy. Pain is an inability to bear the world contact. Because we are limited beings. We cannot bear it beyond a point. The same hand touches us gently and it's nice. Touches a little more, okay, wake up. If it's little more, it's pain. If it's my hand, it's not pain. If it is somebody else's hand, it's pain. If I recognize them as a friend, it's not a pain. Look how the mind plays with us. The same contact, but it changes us as our, you know. So when we recognize in the world's contacts, the touch of the divine, where shall there be pain? There will be only the sense that we are being chiseled and molded towards perfection. Evil turns back to its original good and sorrow lies upon the breasts of bliss. Then shall be ended here the law of pain. Till then all measures are temporary measures. We can take them but we should know the radical remedy lies in bodies being upgraded to the next level where matter becomes sensitive to the higher spiritual and eventually the supramental consciousness and that is the permanent remedy which Shobindo reveals to us. So what do we do till then? Do we just sit and wait and watch? No, we have a way, long way to go and how we should travel. Till then must life carry its seed of death and sorrows plaint be heard in the slow night. O mortal, bear this great world's law of pain. Bear. We can bear it with fortitude, we can bear it as a stoic, we can bear it as with philosophical indifference, we can bear it with equanimity, we can bear it with resignation to God's will, we can bear it with trust and loving surrender, Whichever way or all of the above, bear. And to learn to bear is a tremendous capacity and quality. Equanimity is 
a fundamental thing needed not only for yoga but even for everyday life. It really increases, augments our action lot, lot more. So equanimity and bear. In thy hard passage through a suffering world, can't help. We go through it, we'll face some way or the other. Disease, death, suffering, we'll find some door which is open, subconscious, this, that. Somebody can throw an ill will and we get sick. And sometimes this ill will is clothed in goodwill, which is worse. Somebody looks at you on the road and says, Ah, are you alright? You were happy, you had no problem. Why? Oh, your eyes are looking yellow. Are you sure you don't have jaundice? Get checked. Now, you know, this word gets translated into all kinds of diseases in the person's head because he's a well informed netizen of modern world. Am I having obstructive jaundice, cholestatic jaundice? What has happened? Am I having cancer of the liver? I saw a friend who died of pancreatic cancer who had jaundice. Now what has happened? This was seemingly goodwill but it has gone ignorant one which has acted like an ill will. It has triggered a set of reactions in the person which are of a very negative nature. So it's a passage through a suffering world. You can't just help it. It's all around us. So what should we do in thy hard passage through a suffering world? Lean for thy soul's support on heaven's strength. Heaven with a capital H. That means not the heaven of religions. But heaven, the highest state accessible to man. Heaven's strength. Which means every time somebody says, Oh, are you sure you don't have jaundice? Say, ma, 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 ma. <laughs> Heaven's strength. Take care, take care, take care. Whatever happens, there, there will be things which will come. Offer it. Lean for thy soul's support on heaven's strength. Turn towards high truth. Not the truths on the way. High truth. The one truth that can redeem matter. Not temporary solutions. Plenty are there. As I said, 14 days nirvana. Instant healing. Very attractive to the weak soul. Too much tuned into the ego. But to the strong, they are worthless. So let's take the challenge in the true earnest. Turn towards high truth. Aspire to love and peace. Every day we should try to call. Buddha says so beautifully. Every day we should send a thought of love in every direction. Of course, not like facing east, facing north, <laughs> turning it into a religious ritual. Peace, 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 love, love, harmony, beauty, strength, grace, grace, boundless grace. May all be happy. Sarve Bhavantu Sukhina, Sarve Santu Niramaya. So beautiful. So naturally in that survey we are also included. If we pray for everyone, I am part of everyone. And it creates a nice field inside. So aspire to love and peace. What do we aspire to? The next post which is falling vacant. <laughs> or the share market to go up. When will Mr. Modi stop the demon program? <laughs> Good. Let us pray that all the 
darkness inside also goes away. Clinging to money and holding it goes away. It's, it's sickness. So we should aspire to love and peace. Every day calling peace. It, 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 we don't it, independent of anything and everything. The problem is that no money is charged for this. That's why we don't believe it. If somebody charged a money and gave a talisman, saying, you know, I have got it from Haridwar, from this saint, this is a real Rudraksh and we don't know anything about it. And says, you know, if you wear it and say this Japam, 20 times you will be cured. Okay? So you begin to, no, no, wait, wait, wait. That Danpatra. Not for myself, I am asking for, you know. Nowadays, Pandits have become smarter. They don't accept, you know, uh, things in kind. They want cash. I think now we should tell them also to keep a machine next to them. They do. They have started this. Up, you know, modern Pandits, swipe machines, POS. So, you see, this, this makes us believe, yeah, there must be something, some truth in it. Some mechanical process to do. But if you say nothing, just call peace. How can it be that simple? Grace is there around you? No, no, no. I wanted to learn something. There should be a two-hour lecture, a whole week workshop on how to deal with pain. Then, you know, we think, ah. But if somebody says, call grace, if you ask in the ashram, try asking many of the simple people, but much profound in wisdom, then many of us, you ask them, you know, I was so surprised once somebody told me, what's your job? I said, I'm a psychiatrist. Okay, what does it mean? So I said, well, I deal with people's emotional pain. So why do they come to you? I said, what do you mean? It's my job to heal. Yes, but why do they come to you when they have emotional pain? I said, look here, this is my job. I'm explaining. He said, no, no, that's not my, my issue. You didn't understand. I said, what I didn't understand? They said, just go to the samadhi and pray to the mother. I said, yes. Please tell them, I'll be very happy and relieved. <laughs> and the person says, yeah, it works. Why do they come to you? I said, that's because, you know, we are all twisted inside. <laughs> we can't believe that going to Samadhi and praying can help us within few seconds. And to those who have experienced it, we know it. It works like wonders. That's what we do. We go to the Samadhi and pray and offer and trust me, it's as if a whole cloud burden has been just taken away and I'm sure many will, you know, testify to it. But our mind, our heart, our body is still not ready. We have to make it ready and trust absolutely in the grace. Ultimately, that's the last wisdom. Aspire to love and peace. A little bliss is lent thee from above. A touch divine upon thy human days. Make of thy daily way a pilgrimage. What a marvelous line. Make of thy daily way a pilgrimage. Morning agenda. Where do I have to go? I have to go closer to God. What is my appointment diary? I have to meet God. If you can live every day with this thought. I'm sure having this thought every moment is very difficult. But at least with this thought, time to time to remind ourselves, this day I'm, I must go nearer to the divine, whatever way. This day, at least once, I must have an appointment with the divine. How beautiful it would be. So it becomes a pilgrimage. We don't have to go any particular spot. So make of thy daily way a pilgrimage. 
for through small joys and griefs thou movest towards god how beautiful things that are pleasant and things that are unpleasant or rather things that we find pleasant and things that we find painful through both we are moving towards that grand culmination and then a word of caution he gives haste not towards godhead on a dangerous road careful of the voice of the ego careful of the titan clamoring for power hungering for lust wanton ambition greed fear these are the dangers much more dangerous than having a little ice cream at whatever place so this is what is the path shown to us and i feel this is the ultimate radical remedy because all other things that we can do while well, we should do them and they have their own place in the as i said from the allopath who prescribes a medication to somebody who teaches a technique but after all they are all temporary measures and we have to strive for the ultimate permanent solution to this enigma of life upon earth any questions yes please it's not like it's a question this week uh, persons have been giving talks you have mentioned the importance of harmony now why does the word harmony in three cultures means war or weapons in chinese it has two spheres and a human being and everything can be spoken of in bahasa indonesia it means laras the trick of a gun laras but lara means sad and the harmonia the three goddesses of harmony her father is the god of war and the mother is the goddess of love Yes. Yes, I can give an equally uh, another answer with the same analogy, uh, with the why to it. <laughs> why is it that the god of certain religions is a god who is sitting with a rod in one hand, ready to punish people? Why is it that god in another religion will give you a reward in heaven with seventy maidens if you kill people with bombs? And <laughs> why is it? that a god in yet another religion is all wise and compassionate ever loving and kind they all use the word god so as is our consciousness so do we conceive things we conceive god based on our level of consciousness and we conceive harmony based on our level of consciousness we conceive love even distorted this in you know perverted based on our level of consciousness you know people how commonly use the word love i am in love and the first moment when they are contradicted oh this girl no 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 she is she doesn't know she is not good all kinds of excuses it never was love so you know it's it's the same thing with everything the answer answer is not changing definitions answer is growth of consciousness as we grow we'll discover new meanings behind the words we'll discover new states of consciousness and perhaps then words will not be necessary to define anything i found for myself the answer in the bible in the old testament god says to adam i will give you a wife to help you but the original is different in aramaic and in hebrew it means i will give you a wife to help against you to resist you and you have the name is no wife if your husband suppresses you no harmony 
It's always going forward, yeah, going yeah, backward. I know. Like a teacher going forward, yeah. going backward, right? Yes. It's it's very difficult to have harmony between husband and wife. <laughs> <laughs> unless unless there is an unless to it, and I must tell you that the future of this relation, unless they become friends. This is the only way, and this is the direction towards which nature is carrying us. This the idea of husband and wife brings in mind an old world paradigm. It doesn't work. Nature has broken it. Wife means this, this, this. Husband means this, this, this. They have to change into friends. Friends means acceptance of each other as they are without putting a stress on the other to change, to be otherwise. And yet, love, care, everything. That's what relationship is about. So it must change and evolve into relation of friends. And of course, there would be some very intimate friends. They would be close friends. They would be like any things. And one person with whom you are really intimate. So that's how evolution will carry us. This is my belief and the way I see things moving in that direction. Anyone else? Anything else? Any comment? Yes. Yes, Ashwin. One question I had is, uh, we have heard during the talk that how the angels and the angels are the sadhana. So I want to know if like, the sanjit path, in that type of sadhana, is pain inevitable there as well? Well, pain is not inevitable in the sadhana, but if pain comes, we have to take it with the sadhak's attitude. In the sunlit path, events will come, circumstances will come, which to an outsider will look very painful. But to somebody who has taken the sunlit path, the person will face the same difficulties with a smile on the face and not just the face, let me correct myself, with a smile in the heart. Because he will recognize the grace behind it. But difficulties and challenges will come. If you mean diseases or problems outside and you know events which can be troubling. So sunlit path is, does not make us immune to external events. Though to an extent it buffers them, cushions them and wards away many except those which are just necessary to go through. Because there is a whole karmic transaction with creation that cannot be completely you know annulled. Much can be annulled, probably all can be annulled if we are completely shielded. But let's say practically, but one thing will happen that will be immune to our responses of depression, sadness, grief, inner pain, etc, 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 which we are right now prone to. So that's the sunlit path about. It's about going through life with a smile, not a different life, the same life, but going with a smile. So pain, we should not ask for pain. We should not shun pain when it comes. We should not be afraid of pain when it comes. But if it comes, well, we face it with equanimity, with trust in the grace, with fortitude and patience, with the remembrance of the divine, which anyways we should do all the time. But pain comes to make our equanimity grow better and better. To that extent, yes, it helps. But it's not uh, something to be called or invited. Mother speaks of that. Not to be done. We are seekers after delight. We are seekers after peace. And without a shadow of doubt, pain is an anomaly. It's a sign of imperfection. At this point, we have to just bear with this law of pain. Divine never inflicts pain. It comes in the way life is organized here. Okay, so thank you so much. <laughs>